Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast Summer Show. It is 10 past 7 through New South Wales and the ACT, 10 past 6 in Queensland. Will Davies and Adam Pengilly with you. Some great tennis to watch today, and we're looking forward to that. Some results, if you've missed them. Alex Demonor beat Matea Arnaldi in three sets yesterday. Novak Djokovic last night beat Alexi Popurin in four sets. Stefano Tsitsipas yesterday evening also too beat Jordan Thompson in four sets. And Storm Hunter is through to the next round, a three-set win over Laura Siegemund. Chris O'Connell lost to Ben Shelton, the USA number 16 seed. That was in four sets. And in the Cricket Australia, two for 59 at Stumps on day one. Usman Khawaja will resume on 30. Cam Green on six today. West Indies made 188. But the star of the day, Shamar Joseph. Adam McGilly, good morning to you. Always great to see a talented young athlete perform so well on debut. Morning, Will. Morning, everyone. Yeah, it's great to see guys who are having their debut in whatever sport it might be, mm-hmm. whether it be any of the football codes, cricket, it doesn't matter what it is. When you step onto that big stage for a first time after so many years of hard work to get an instant reward like that, you must just feel 10 foot tall mm. and bulletproof. He would have walked off the ground there yesterday just thinking, did that really happen? Yeah, like, good. How good is life right mm. now? Just scoring runs at number 11 and then taking the wicket of Steve Smith with his first ball. It's, it's a great story. And, and, and it was great to see the West Indies show some fight yesterday, Will. I think most people think Australia will win this test series and win it fairly comfortably. But... At least they just showed a glimmer of fight there yesterday in the in the back half of the second session and in the third session, obviously, as well. So, yeah, sets up for an interesting day today. If Usman Khawaja can make runs, well, then Australia will be in a good position. But a lot of interest and focus, I'd imagine, around Cameron Green mm-hmm. today. Has, yep. he, has he settled back into that side? Can he make runs at number four straight away? Big morning and the weather potentially playing a part with cloud clearing this morning. That is the forecast in Adelaide, a forecast top of 24. So maybe the Windies can get that ball to move around a little bit with conducive conditions early on. Uh, not too far away from the start of the National Rugby League season. The trials will start even sooner. And very pleased to say we are joined on the line by Justin Morgan, a North Queensland Cowboys assistant coach. Justin, good morning. How are you? Yeah, morning, guys. I'm good, thank you. Uh, congratulations on the appointment you've come across from the Warriors. Uh, how have you settled into life with the Cowboys? Oh, well, I've packed away all my winter clothes, my <laughs> wet weather jacket that I needed in Auckland and beanie, etc. That's in the bottom of the cupboard, and I've just got the T-shirt and shorts out. So, uh, no, it's been great. It's been a really good first couple of months, and uh, the first-class facility that we've got at our disposal. And uh, as I already mentioned, it's been nice and warm and nice and hot. We've got plenty of rain over the last couple of weeks as well. So the grass is growing as I look at it. So uh, the mower gets to work out on the weekends. Justin, it doesn't matter which club you, you play for. Every, every club goes through a really long and arduous preseason. I just can't imagine what you put your players through up there in Townsville in the tropics throughout summer. Can you just give us an insight into just how difficult it is for those players to get through a, a preseason up there in Townsville? Yeah, it's it's the humidity that's a, that's the killer, and I think um, I, I think every team goes through, as you said, a, a tough preseason. I think the cumulative effect for us with the the heat and the humidity every day can be a bit of an issue. But um, our high performance team put a really good program together, try and space out those uh, those rigorous sessions out on the field and give them plenty of time for recovery. Um, we try and combat it a little bit by being on the field very early. We're on the field very shortly, which is only quarter past six in the morning here, so we're on the mm. field in the next half an hour or so and try and get most of our work done before the the middle part of the day. Um, We also have, as I already mentioned, rather some fantastic facilities here. Um, Got some indoor areas where, you know, if if the heat or the humidity is is ridiculous, we can get some small-sided things done in there. We can certainly get some tackling um, inside in the air conditioning, which is nice. So, um, yeah, it's just something that we have to combat. It's just one of those things that's, we can't change that. It's very similar to when I was in Auckland. That you, uh, 
you have to deal with the rain often and, and train in the rain. So just got to shrug the shoulders and um, put the mouth guard and the helmets on and, and away you go. So I've been really impressed so far with my first pre-season with um, the application of the players. Um, they're a hard-working group, and um, so far it's been uh, it's been a good start. Just on that, who's someone up there who's really stood out to you, the way that they go about things, or, or maybe someone who's surprising people, or, or maybe a senior leader who's really just taking things in their stride and, and showing people how it's done? Um, there's been a few that have, that have impressed me, but certainly the senior players. Um, now, Scott Drinkwater, you know, his application to his craft is, is first class. He watches a lot of footy and brings a great deal of energy. Cohen Hess has been really impressive for me. Um, been very consistent with his training. Um, he trains hard. He's, he's a very vocal person at training. And as, as we all know, that in rugby league or in all team sports, that, you know, talking is an important part. So uh, he's, been, he's been great as well. And Jordan McLean, obviously, he's had a, has a great career so far. And, you know, he's mostly at the back end of his career. But he's certainly training like a, a young man at the moment, which is great. And the, other, and the last one is most probably Tommy Dearden. Um, mm. We've seen him, the transformation of him over the last few years, and he's turned into a fantastic leader and uh, very competitive on the field. And, and that's, what, that's what coaches want in the preseason. They want to see their teams competitive, you know, when you're playing games or, you know, you're playing some opposed sessions. You want to see, you know, want to see the guys that want to win. So he's certainly at the top of the tree for that. Justin, just speaking about Tom Dearden, we've seen his development over the last couple of years. He's, he's graduated to be a State of Origin player now. He obviously signed that long-term deal with the Cowboys only a few weeks ago. He was a man in demand. Plenty of clubs were, were inquiring about his services. What did it mean for North Queensland for him to, to re-sign at the club and show his faith in, in the direction the franchise is heading? Well, I, I could see that before I got here. You know, I was, I was like you guys. I was an outsider and I knew um, what it would have meant for him to stay at the club and when I got here the feeling was exactly the same I knew he's held in really high regard and um, there wasn't a level of nervousness but when a player is coming off contract and he's in you know such demand like you know Tommy was you do naturally have some anxiousness about it but I think the club was very confident from the beginning that the dialogue was nice and clear Michael Luck and Toddy Payton have um, had done a good job in making sure the, the dialogue with him has been nice and clear over time and They've set up a nice club for him to want to be at and, and play footy at. You know, Tommy's mature enough to know that you know, he has developed into a state of origin player um, through a lot of his own hard work. But the environment that, that you know, Toddy Payton has, has created here has, has helped him do that. And I think he's realised that. So I think it was a huge sigh of relief when he did, did sign. Um, so you know, I was that naturally nervous. You know, one of the first questions I said to Toddy, is, we a chance of keeping him or is he, is he on his way? He goes, well, I'm fairly confident we'll get him, but we'll have to wait till we get signed on the dotted line. So it was a nice little Christmas bonus for all the fans anyway to know that Tommy's committed to the club for a few years now. Contrasting seasons for the Cowboys versus the Warriors, who you were with last year. The Warriors impressing a lot of people and finishing in that top four and the Cowboys missing out after a lot of expectation. What can you bring to the Cowboys this year that you learned from that ascent with the Warriors last year? Yeah, I think one of the um, the, the key elements of, of a good season for us last year at the Warriors was um, we kept it simple, we enjoyed ourselves, um, you know, and that was one of the big things from Webby. Webby was, um, you know, fantastic in just, you know, making sure everybody was coming to work with a good attitude to try and get better, but at the same time, do it with a smile on your face. So it's a long, hard season, and, and I think you need to make the environment one that players want to come to, one that they want to get better at. And when that happens, it's, it's a little bit of a snowball effect. You win a few games, and then all of a sudden, 
that confidence grows and the desire grows a little bit more and and the flip side can happen as well i think you know you know on reflection of the review of the cowboys season last year struggled to sort of get some traction early in the year got a little bit you know during the middle part and then unfortunately weren't able to go and finish it off and finish in the playoffs so start of the season like most clubs will say is pretty important but i think you know the building blocks that we're putting in place now about you know, a game model and, and what changes we needed to make. Um, the players are really bought into that, which is great. Um, sometimes you have a poor season and sometimes it can just knock people down a few pegs and say, well, we just need to really have a good assessment of here of what we, we need to improve and what we need to get better at. And, you know, sometimes you can get masked. If you, if you don't do those things and you end up, you know, having a decent season, it's very hard to make changes, but uh, everyone's been on board this year to, to make some improvements to, you know, to the way we want to play the game. And um, hopefully we can see that in the first couple of months of the season. Justin, as rugby league fans last year, we marveled at what you achieved at the Warriors last year, not only the, obviously the playing squad, but also the coaching staff. I'm intrigued to, to get your thoughts on what it's like to work with Andrew Webster, because his performance last year with you and the coaching staff was phenomenal. What's, what's he like as a coach behind the scenes? And, and was anyone surprised he had so much success so quickly in his head coaching career? No, not really. I mean, I've known Webby for a long time. I worked with him for about six years in the UK. Um, our roles were reversed, so it was a nice little uh, role reversal for us this time around. He had all the responsibility, and I could just go about doing all the coaching. So, uh, look, he's a his, his rugby league IQ is extremely high. He's a very, very smart person when it comes to rugby league. Um, he's done a great apprenticeship. He, he's very clear with his messaging um, you know, to everyone, the people that are above him, the people that are next to him, and the people that are... You know, that that need to follow him. He's very clear with that. Um, and as I said, he's, he's big on making sure people enjoy what they do, join their work, going about their work. Um, so, no, it didn't surprise me one little bit. I knew how motivated he was. Um, um, and, look, you know, I've told some stories over the last little while that the, the, the path that he took to get there is somebody that had a huge amount of desire. When we were in the UK, real quickly... You know, he he um you know he was night watchman at the stadium and cleaned the stadiums on a <laughs> on a Monday to to make sure he made enough money because we couldn't pay him a huge amount of money to to coach the under twenties at the time, um just so he could could live and that's somebody that had a huge desire to be successful in what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a coach. He obviously started in the USA. You know, he did a couple of uh, lower grades at Parramatta and and at the Tigers, and then you know. Uh, you know, he got his chance to go to a high-quality club like the Panthers, um, work with Ivan Cleary, and then had some great success. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Webby had a had a good year. He's got a great eye for players. He's they bought very well again this year, um, and you know, I expect them to be one of the you know the teams that t- take really good form into the start of the season, and and will be tough to beat. They'll be there back at the back end for sure. And just finally, Justin on, on James Maloney. Um, I don't think many people expect him to be an assistant coach, particularly this early in his in his career after finished playing. What what's he been like um, working with yourself and Todd up there at the Cowboys so far? Yeah, Jimmy brings a different uh, point of view, which is great. Um, you know, as you mentioned, just finished playing and you know he's just cruising through the south of France for for a couple of years after he finished at the Catalans and and we, and you guys know Jimmy quite well that you know he's a pretty laid back character, he's a bit of a larrikin, and you know. I think you know, that's a real point of difference for for our club um, having a, a coach that you know that is different. You know he's getting better every day. He's certainly improving. You know on the day to day or the logistics that go around with coaching. I think you know most players when they finish playing don't know what the role actually is or what you actually have to do. And he's been very 
very good in you know saying what do I need to do here and he's and like I said you know his presentation and his and all the footy stuff that he's doing has been great and we all know he's a his footy IQ is very good you know you don't play 14 state of origins you know you know out of fluke you know he's a, he's a good player he's a competitive guy um, and you know for for Todd and myself you know it's a different different character within the within the coaching group you know Todd and I could be uh, yeah, somewhat grumpy at times, I suppose, is most the best way to describe it. And, uh, you know, Jimmy can sort of lighten that mood up a little bit for us. And he's already, already formed a good bond with the spine, which I'm sure he'll spend a, a huge amount of time with over, over the season. So it's nice to have him on board. Justin, how many short kickoffs will you guys be uh, practicing at training over the next week with that rule change being announced? I think everyone's going to do it, aren't they? Mm. I, I think I, I, I like the rule change. Okay. I, think it's a, I think it's a good rule change. I think we've seen over the last couple of years a lot of teams um, you know, doing the short kickoff and the short dropout, and and I think now this rule change is really encouraging everyone to do it, and I think it's a, it's an exciting part of the game. I think the other thing that we'll see as well is that I think we might see teams, you know, run the football on last play a little bit more rather than you know kicking it in goal and you know risk possibly a dropout and then it's a fifty fifty. Mm. Because some teams are so good at those short dropouts. I know last year at the Warriors we spent a huge amount of time in the preseason practicing both attacking and defending them. So. Um, I think you're going to see more of it. You're going to see more footy. The ball's going to be in play even longer. So uh, I'm glad I'm not playing. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Justin, we really appreciate your time. Congrats on the appointment and, uh, and starting life with the Cowboys. We'll hope to catch up again soon. No worries. I'll go put some sunscreen on. I'll be out on the field in a minute. See you, boys. <laughs> see, you. see you, Justin. Jared Daffy joins us, a senior media presenter with the Tab. Daff, good morning. How are you? Morning, Will. Uh, day two of the cricket coming up. Usman Kawaja and Cam Green resuming. What did you make of day one and, uh, and what's taking people's interest? Well, I think the highlight was, uh, was the West Indies mm. bowler getting the first, the first ball um, wicket at his, uh, at his test debut. But uh, it's going the way I think most of us thought, particularly when Australia did bowl first. They're a dollar and one to win. And I suppose, Will, realistically, that's over the odds. Uh, West Indies twenty six dollars, and with a, a dozen wickets gone already, the draw right out to sixty seven dollars. Uh, Duff NBA today, plenty of games. Any significant market moves so far? Uh, there's been a couple, Adam. Uh, the first of those is in one of the eleven forty matches. Atlanta have been one sixty five into one sixty. Orlando out to two dollars forty. A line there of three and a half points. Probably the biggest move of the day is Miami who are away to Toronto now. Market went up yesterday, Toronto 205, Miami eighty. Toronto right out to 240 now. Uh, most of that's happened in the last 10 or so minutes. Mm-hmm. Miami into $1.60, a line of 3.5 points. We've got a lot of shorties today. New Orleans are $1.14 to beat Charlotte at 6. That line, 12 points. I should mention, uh, every time the Lakers play, <laughs> or the Warriors... The, the, those games, the betting on those games go through the roof. Mm. We've got the Lakers in action at 12.40. They're at home to Dallas. Their form's been well in and out, hasn't it? The Lakers, they're sixty. Dallas, $2.40. And a line of three and a half points. We've actually got an NBL match tonight. Mm. Illawarra hosts Cairns. Uh, Illawarra, $1.42. Cairns at $2.80. And a line of five and a half points in favour of Illawarra. Interesting with that Toronto-Miami match, Duff. They don't miss anything, do they? The punters, some big news breaking in the US with Pascal Siakam on the verge of being traded to Indianapolis and yeah. a package coming back. So I think that's the uh, the, the interesting thing there. Um, You're Duff- right about that, Will. There's so much information yeah. available on, well, all sports, but in particular those American sports. And basketball is one of those. If you get, uh, if you get to follow some of these big news yeah. um, or big basketball news, 
Twitter accounts, they're all over it straight away. Uh, in the Asian Cup, Socceroos take on Syria tonight. What's uh, the, the more favoured option there? Well, to win it um, in the, in the normal time, Australia a dollar thirty two, draw four seventy five, and Syria at ten dollars. But as is always the case, when you've got a short price favourite, as the Socceroos are, will there's plenty of interest in the correct score, mm-hmm. and the favoured ways there. Uh, it's not a, not an overly big win tip by uh, punters for Australia. Two nil is favoured at four seventy five, just ahead of. Uh, one nil at five dollars. Of course, uh, they won two nil the other night. Then we start to get out to three nil at seven, uh, two one at eight dollars. So there's plenty of markets here on that match tonight. It's a late one. Uh, gets underway at ten thirty. Plenty of interest stuff in the Australian Open today. The Australian charge headed by Tanasi Kokonakis. What are some of the markets doing there? Yeah, there is Adam. Um, it- a strange day yesterday. I, I know they eventually won, but Sitsipas and, and in particular Djokovic, he ended up getting the job done, Djokovic, but uh, as did Sitsipas. But you just got to wonder how that wrist injury really is. I'll get to him in a minute mm-hmm. as far as the overall is concerned. Uh, Dimitrov takes on Kokonakis. Now, this is not before 4 o'clock, and he's a, he's a big price, Tanasi. He's $5.50. Dimitrov a dollar thirteen. Um, got some of the the warm favourites in the women's in action today. Schwitek's in fa- uh, in action earlier, dollar and three. As is Pagula at two ten. Tom Lenovich tonight. She's got a tough match, but she seems a good price at four dollars forty. Ostapenko is a dollar twenty in that particular match. Uh, that one not before seven o'clock, so it's one of the night matches. Now Djokovic. 195 early in the week, he's out to 210. And as a result of that, the two behind him in the market have started to creep in. Alcaraz was 475, he's into 425. Mentioned a couple of times over the last week or so that how popular Yannick Sinner is. He's now into 550. Medvedev 11, Zverev, he got the money, uh, $21. Runer at 26, and Alex Dimonor and Sitsipas there at $29. A little bit of movement in the women's titles. Obviously, Schwantech's still the favourite there at uh, $3.25 she is now. But Coco Goff, uh, another demolition job yesterday. She's getting really popular with Aussie Pundas boys. She's into $5. She shares that second loan uh, with Sabalenka. Uh, Rabakina at five fifty. Then we're right out to $21 or better for anyone else. So those top four in the market there completely dominate. Duff, always appreciate it. Thorough and comprehensive. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, boys. Uh, Jared Daffy there from the tab. Adam on the text line 0419767272. Michael Vaughan around those comments. It was Michael Vaughan. I forgot that, but thank you, Dan, for sending that in. And that text goes on for those playing their Bancroft card. Obviously, if you get the 90s and early 1000s with Love, Hodgmar, Siddons, Cox, but the team was winning. As this team keeps winning, they will keep the same squad. Um, and this one, maybe not a quick one, but uh, hi, can you tell me why the Dragons haven't re signed? Jaden Sewer, thanks, Steve. I sent this last week, but missed your answer. Uh, I think they're working on it, Steve. Uh, certainly their priorities for retention were Moses Suley and Jaden Sewer over the offseason. They've got Moses Suley done. He's signed a long-term extension. I think they're working on Jaden Sewer. And I think I think it's fair to say that Jaden Sewer probably 12 to 18 months ago was very unsettled at the Dragons and, and almost looking for the exit, exit door. But I think Shane Flanagan in, um, coming in as coach, he shares a pretty good relationship with Shane Flanagan. I think they both share the same management company. So hopefully that will increase the Dragons' chances of keeping Jaden Sewell because I think he's a really important part of their future. Questions without notice. Not much you're not across, Adam Pengelly. It's great to have you in here. It is half past seven Australian Eastern Daylight Time, 6.30 in Queensland. We will be back soon. Roger Rashid coming up.
Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast Summer Show. Will Davies and Adam Pengelly with you. So much great sport to cover off and chat about. Uh, the Australian Open is getting uh, somewhat serious. We're into the third round, which uh, we're looking forward to. The first few days always hectic, and we look forward to chatting with Roger Rashid shortly about that. He's been seeing it pretty well, Roger, over in Melbourne. Uh, in the Test Australia, 2 for 59 at Stumps on day one. Usman Khawaja resumes at 30 this morning. Cameron Green is on six. Uh, Shamar Joseph, the story of day one. On test debut, he made 36 with the bat of 41 to help the West Indies post a somewhat respectable 188. And then with the ball, his first delivery in test cricket, he ran, started his run-up, stopped, <laughs> went back, said afterwards he didn't miss his run-up, he was just nervous. So this suggests that this man has a very cool, calm head on his shoulders. He stopped, steadied himself, ran in, put it exactly where he wanted, bowled to his plan, Steve Smith, edge, gone, first ball. Remarkable. Great story, Will. Fantastic to see him do that. And we, we want to see the West Indies competitive. It'd be a shame to lose him. I know I've got guys like Jason Holder who are prioritising T20 leagues around the world now and not wanting to play for their country as much or as regularly in, in test cricket. So it'd be great to see the West Indies um, be competitive for the rest of this test. And what about, did you see the comments from Peter Malinaskis, the South Australian Premier? He is absolutely savage cricket Australia over the scheduling of this summer saying, You've given us West Indies for the second year in a row. And on top of that, you've scheduled the test to start on a Wednesday when mm. it could be over by Friday. We don't get crowds on the weekend. Sure. So, Got to look after your own. Yeah. He was quite parochial in his support of Adelaide and the fans down there. Mm-hmm. So the crowd looked okay from what I saw on TV looked yesterday. Good. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm sure we'll build closer to the weekend, but I'm not sure if we're going to get get to a day four. No. I think we might be struggling. Watch, watch them get a November test now when <laughs> schools are still in. Yeah. I love that, won't they? Um, so that'll continue. Uh, Roger Rashid coming up very soon. Um, Powerball tonight, $100 million. Are you, you, Do you go to work tomorrow if you win that? Of course, think what you could be buying instead. No. No. No, you're just done. <laughs> I'm sorry. Stumps up. Uh, I'll, I'll be phoning in my segment tomorrow, Will, if that was me. I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be on at 6.50 tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, at least, at least you're still picking up the phone, which we appreciate. Um, uh, yeah, Powerball tonight, $100 million. Uh, Roger Rashid is next. Roger, a very good morning to you. How was day three? How's the sleep going? How's the love for Alex Demonor? Uh Will, Adam, how, morning, guys. Hey. Yeah, look, it was a, uh, it was well, it was actually a day four. Remember, we started on a Sunday. So, of course, of course, so, yes. yeah. No, but that's okay. You're allowed to have that one. <laughs> give, give you that. Give you that this year. Won't give you it next no. year. Um, yeah, look, it was a. It started off pretty. Uh, you know, we're lucky we had the roof roofs closed, don't we? We, uh, you know, because we got play to continue on. It didn't start on the outside courts. So, uh, roughly two o'clock, uh, so players had to wait. There were eleven o'clock matches, so there's a three-hour gap there waiting to uh, to get yourself on. So it was always going to clear, and and but we thought it might have been a little earlier. So that's tough for the players on the outside courts, and that also scheduled later in your third and fourth match because you know you're probably going into the night. Uh, you become part of the night session, um, but players are, are used to that. But on the you know on the uh, main courts, play continued as as. Uh, expected and so you can just you know we get to see the action which is great and uh, there was some big up, there were some big upsets and no other you know it started straight away mm-hmm. on Rod Laver Arena really really quickly with um Jabeur, uh, from Tunisia going out just to on, Miran on that Rage quickly you, you you tipped that upset yesterday you were pretty confident about it what before that match led you to be so well, not sure but um in the camp of Mira and Drover uh, well, I like your game for a start. She's she's competitive. She she plays a, a really well structured up game. Um, so she doesn't fear the 
doesn't fear her opponents if they're if they're big seeds. She's you know she's played she's played them now. She's made it you know she's gone well semi deep into a major. Um, you know she's and she's also you know she's winning she's winning rounds and she's actually going you know she's played Coco Golf a couple of times. Hasn't beaten her, but you know it's just the experience that she's been gaining as a 16 year old. And when she steps out on onto the court, you can see she likes to take on. Uh, that type of player, she's not feared out there. She doesn't play with, uh, she doesn't go in a shell uh, like some do when they're playing the best players in the world. And um, and Ons hasn't really had um, any form really coming in. And that's the uh, and you, you know you look at that and she's you know she hasn't played matches. So you know where was the the match hardening going to come from? Yes, she won her first round quite comfortably, but so I thought it was just going to be a tight tennis match. And I I thought you know when you know it's it's almost time uh, for the youngster to have some sort of breakthrough against a quality player and Ons doesn't have a big serve, doesn't have a big game as far as like she doesn't hit a lot of winners uh, and especially off the first hit so she's quite a creative type of player um, and that allows you in so yeah and, and Ons was not a, on her best game, there's no doubt about that and you know the first set went in 20 minutes and the match was over inside an hour and um, you know you'd still get across the line if you're the 16 year old but that was a, yeah so that was a that was a great result for her. Really fantastic to see a young 16-year-old break uh, break through. And uh, she was asked at the on the on court, um, you know, you're only young, you know, how. Um, and she said, well, and you know, she so you what about your maturity? And she said, well, I was older than I was last year here at 15. So, <laughs> so, so that was a yeah, that was that was impressive from her. She's an impressive girl, and 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 then, you know, that that court sort of looked. Then went back to normal in a, in a way. Alex came out on Rod Laver Arena and played a really high level tennis match against Matteo Arnaldi. He's, he's a young 22 year old Italian, um, and uh, he upset us in the Davis Cup. He, he won the first uh, tie against uh, Alexi Poprin, and um, after Poprin had opportunities in that match, probably would have given us the Davis Cup if that match had been won. But um, Alex was really sharp. It was a, it was a match that was always going to be on his racket. He was going to be able to control the proceedings. So it was a solid game from uh, the Italian. But eventually, he wasn't able to keep up. The first set was pretty pretty tight. It was uh, there was some good good stuff in the first set, but the, then the quality from the Italian just dipped a little bit. And Alex is just so sharp. You know, when you're ten in the world, you're playing sharp, and you feel like you own the court. And he and he did do that. Rog, just uh, Alexi Popperin and Novak Djokovic last night. A lot of people thought that Alexi had a real chance in that match, particularly with those set points in the in the third set. A question, I suppose, is Novak's dropped a couple of sets in his first two rounds. It's very unlikely him to do that in the early part of a, a tournament, particularly down here in Australia and Melbourne. Do you sense he's just a just a tiny bit vulnerable this year? Uh, well, he did that a couple of uh, the last time he did that, he went on and didn't drop a set for the rest of the tournament. Uh, and he won. And he won the Aussie Open. So uh, it has been done before, um, and it and it does happen in uh, some early rounds. Sometimes you're not quite at your best. Novak, you know, he, he did come in and he said he was. He was a little bit under the weather. He's got some sort of cold virus that's going on. So he said that beforehand. Um, you know, he he wanted the Sunday start. He wanted some days to try and recover. Came out. Uh, came out okay. Uh, and Alexi was Alexi was really good early, and then and then he sort of. Uh, then he was a little bit. He went into a bit of no man's land, Novak. You know where you know if you had a. If you, I'm not sure if you guys saw the match, but he was he was just a bit. Uh, he was wavering and he wasn't totally. It didn't have the blinkers on. Normally Novak on that court, he has the blinkers on. He shuts you out really quickly, um, and so a lot of things started getting to Novak, and he and he just was a bit flat. He went a bit flat, and to to Alexi's credit, 
he played a high level tennis match. You know, he's got he's got a big serve, big game, um, and so he can hit big off his forehand, and he can keep push he can push you back. Uh, he doesn't doesn't necessarily let you control the way the rally's played, and he gets three points off his serve. So he grew with confidence, Alexi. You can free swing as well. You know, you've got no pressure on you. You just free swinging and. Uh, he used the crowd well. The crowd got to Novak at times. There's no doubt about that. So he, he was, it was a bit of me versus the rest um, uh, out there. He wasn't even really engaging his box. There was, you know, there was uh, situations there. So Novak was in a bit of a, di- uh, you know, a little bit of a different world there for a while. And you know, but what he does do is, and that, th- and that obviously that third set was a clincher. You know, it's about, you know, he, he hung on in there in that third set. He, you know, Alexi had a chance to win that set. And uh, he had off, you know, some real, real big looks at that third set too. And uh, what Novak does is he can just he can weather the storm a little bit, and he just he'll, all of a sudden you can see his game straightening up. He doesn't make the unforced errors. He had more focus attached to him, and then then there was someone in the crowd who obviously uh, was berating Novak. Novak challenged that, but you know when you poke the bear, um, you're in trouble, I think. And uh, and then Novak really sort of got the blinkers on and once he did do that it was you know it was sort of game set match and Alexi was you know just found a little bit wanting and what the hardest part with that is that to actually try and focus for two to three to four hours against someone of Novak's caliber it's really difficult it's really difficult to mentally engage for that period of time because you're not doing it week in week out um, so it's very hard to you know you will have your moments where it doesn't quite happen for you and uh, Novak's always there to grab onto that when that opportunity uh, arises so a tick for Alexi. There's no doubt about that. He's playing uh, better tennis than he than he was 12 months ago. Um, he had a very good 12 months on on the tour, and, and let's hope this is a springboard for him um, for 2024. Day five is today. Roger Thanasi Kokonakis plays Grigor Dimitrov. Ola Tomljanovic taking on Yelena Ostapenko. Who wins those two? Yeah. Well, firstly, you got day five right, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the um, I think, you know, it's a, it's a tough one for Thanasi. There's, uh, he's he's not without his opportunities, there's no doubt about that, because, you know, Grigor's a, a high-quality player. He's a 13th seed. He's had, had a, again, he had the great back half of the year uh, running into, you know, he wins Brisbane and uh, coming into the Australian summer. So a lot of good form. Struggled a little bit in his first round, but got through his first round. Uh, Thanasi will take a little bit out of that. If they watch that first-round match, his, his coaching team should have. Um, and Thanasi comes off five sets. How does he recover? You know, um, he needs to probably get the early sets. Uh, you know, you need to get the first set. So, you know, if you, you're a set down, you're physically gone five sets, you finish later uh, in the evening. You didn't quite have two days recovery. Um, so that's really important. I'll be looking for the first set, how sharp he comes out. Um, but, you know, he's got a big game and he'll, he'll have to try and play an aggressive style of game, serve really well, serve, you know, 65% plus. Um, to get some free points. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be an entertaining tennis match. Ostapenko wins Adelaide. Um, Isla's, you know, you know, it's a, a good result for her at the moment. She, you know, she wins her first match. She's short on match play. She played the United Cup, uh, played pretty well there. Um, but short on match play, short on confidence, she plays a big hitting uh, Ostapenko. So you don't get a lot of rhythm out there. And a lot of the times the tennis match is um, not on your racket. So... I think she'll find the going a little tough, mm-hmm. Isla. Um, and for you know, again, she's had the opportunity because Ostapenko can turn up and uh, fire away and 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 miss cue as well. So so as long as you're alert, as long as you can sort of survive your service games early, I think 
um, and give yourself a chance and make put some tension in the match. Um, you know, she definitely has an opportunity. She's a chance, but she's probably a seventy thirty, mm-hmm. and um, and probably probably Athanasi sort of in the in a similar range. Um, in that match, maybe 65-35. Uh, a couple of rapid-fire ones uh, for day five for you. Rabakina against Blinkova tonight. Is that two love Rabakina? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, the way she's playing, absolutely. Uh, and then Daniel Medvedev follows that. Is he winning in straight sets tonight against uh, Emil Rusevori? Yeah, Rusevori's a, a, a quality player. Uh, but, I, but I just, I think on that court, Medvedev, you know, first time out there, he'll be looking to impress on on you know the first night session. So, uh, yeah, I think that'll be um, all that'll be all normal. And we did have a couple, you know, and we and we've had some, some seeds out. So we had the sixth seed out, the number eight seed out, twenty fifth and thirty two yesterday in the women's. And, and Francis Tiafo, who was the semi finalist at the U.S. Open um, not so long ago, has sort of hit a little bit of a slump. And um, he's he was out. He, he went out yesterday in straight sets. So, which is a, which is a big shock to the yep. to to the men's draw. And then two more very quickly because we've got to move. Um, we've got Max Purcell against Casper Ruud. Does he win? And what about Tommy Paul v Jack Draper? Who do you see winning that one? Uh, I, I think Tommy Paul might turn the tail on Jack Draper. Mm-hmm. Jack Draper's beaten him the last two times. The last time was in Adelaide. Had had a play, won his match and vomited mm. straight after his match uh, in his first round match uh, on the side of the court. So uh, everyone was you know, excited to to get his <laughs> autograph after that. Um, <laughs> And and Tommy uh, Purcell and Casper uh, Purcell has nothing to lose. He didn't didn't play a great first match on Kia. Really struggled, gagged really, and then he admitted that. But uh, I think Casper's going to just be a little bit too solid, have too much game for him. Good on you, Rog. Really appreciate it and enjoyed day five. We'll chat tomorrow morning. See you, boys. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast Summer Show. Jack McVeigh, a Tasmanian Jack Jumpers guard, joins us on the line. Jack, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Very, very well, thank you. The Jack Jumpers at My State Bank Arena host Melbourne tomorrow night. Melbourne United and currently third on the ladder. Tough few weeks in in some respects for the team with some tight losses. How do you start overturning those and uh, and, and getting the wins back on the board? Yeah, that's the, the beauty of sport and a season is the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs. Sometimes you're playing great basketball and sometimes you're just losing these close ones and so you have to reevaluate what you're doing, the process, how you're approaching every single day. And so we've had some tough conversations, also some good conversations saying, hey, look, we're losing a lot of games by two, three points and we just got to clean up a couple of things and we could turn this whole thing around. So a good win can, can do that. The crowd going crazy tomorrow night, my state bank can do that. Uh, and it's approaching that time of the year where it's playoff basketball and uh, every game's important. So the pressure's going to come and uh, it's going to be exciting to play in games like that. Jack, I caught a bit of that game against the, the Hawks last weekend, a double overtime game, arguably probably the match of the season so far. What sort of positives do you try and take out of that match even though the result went, went against you? Well, there's a couple for sure. First off, it's disappointing. I mean, in an epic game like that, you want to be the team that comes out on top. But secondly, the fight of this team with multiple guys getting in foul trouble, guys that didn't play as many minutes coming on and, and not missing a step. And then, like I said before, that the crowd, that was probably one of the loudest I've ever heard my state bank since uh, the Melbourne United crash in the semifinals uh, the first year. So we've got a place that we want to defend. Uh, it's fun, and we've got a group that fights. So the season's never over till that very last science, uh, 
touchdowns on the on the last game. So we're ready to fight, compete, and, and do that in front of our fans. Before we get back to the uh, the individual games and, and sort of the tale of this story, I'm just keen as well to touch on the wider Tasmania Jack Jumper story. Jack being a bit of a talisman of that, and and that incredible atmosphere and that rise to the championship series. How do you reflect on the past couple of years and that rise of the Jack Jumpers within the NBL and, and being back in that competition? Well, I remember being recruited by Scott Ross, like the head coach day one and saying, I don't know what to expect. We're going to play hard. I'm going to hold everyone accountable. And we're, we're going to just try and build something that's going to last. And then to fast forward six months down the track and we were competing in that, that almost fairy tale run where we went on, went, went on a crazy winning streak um, to having that place exploding, the energy in there versus night one where people didn't really know how to support a basketball team. They weren't cheering when they were meant to. And, there was a learning stages for everyone from fans to, to players, the what we were doing every day to where we parked when we were rolling up to the gym. So there was so much to learn. And then to see that success happen quick was, was just unbelievable. And we're still chasing that, that final championship a ring and, and to win it all. But it's been a journey that's been one that's so fun to be a part of. And then to have, you know, Tasmania embraced the club like it has has been just unbelievable and and I like to think that we have created something Mm. that will last that's here to stay that that has shown uh, the Tasmanian people that we've done it the right way and we'll continue to do it the right way. Jack, you make an interesting point because obviously Tasmania is going to have a have an AFL franchise coming in obviously in a number of years now it's sort of the state's almost been I don't know what the right word is, maybe ignored from a national sporting competition point of view from a lot of leagues for, for many, many years. Do you think the Jack Jumpers have sort of provided that blueprint to say, hey, we have got a really vibrant state down here who loves their sport and, and wants to get behind teams that play in national leagues? I think you're 100% on the money. I mean, we we just came down here and started playing basketball and, and the Tasmania, Tasmania embraced us. They were, they were itching for a team to support, itching for some good uh, sporting entertainment and and they jumped on quick. Uh, they're passionate. They love it. And, and this place deserves to have, to have national-level sport because it will be supported. And uh, it's also a great place to live, to, to provide that. And uh, definitely, it's, it's 100%. I wouldn't say that what the Jack Jumpers has done has been too crazy. I would say it's on the fans and what they've brought and, and the energy they've provided us. And, and they were definitely ready to have some sporting teams down here. Jack, you're having an impressive season again on the court, averaging almost 16 points, five rebounds. Your field goal percentage is up. But keen to get your thoughts on Jordan Crawford and Milton Doyle. Doyle in the MVP conversation again, and Crawford a, a little maestro across the court. What are those two bringing, and, and how much fun do you have playing with those two? Well, it's just fun showing up to work with them every day because they're great people. And, I mean, Jordan Crawford's one of the best-dressed people ever, so I'm always taking notes <laughs> off-court about how to dress a little nicer, how to, how to little, look a little sharper. And then Doyle's just a great father, man, great husband. And so there's off-court things that I'm learning from these guys too that I'm taking notes on. And then obviously that translates directly to on-court where they're just fun to watch. They're bringing the energy. They can score in so many different ways. And, and they always have the crowd standing on their feet or the opposite team a little bit nervous when they got the ball in their hands because they never know which way they're going to they're going to get a bucket and create create something for our team. So they're so much fun to learn from, to, to compete with every day. And I'm definitely learning a lot 
I, I know I just said learn about four times, but that's really like been the, the word of the season when I'm watching these guys and hanging out with these guys. Jack, we've seen Melbourne United probably be the benchmark of the competition so far this year. How do you how do you keep Matthew Delivered over quiet um, down there in Tassie? They've been playing some really good basketball. They're they're great defensively. They get through their stuff on the offensive end, and and it's led by Delhi, who obviously has had an incredible career. So we've got to play Jack Temple basketball, being physical. Punching first and, and making sure we're playing on the front foot and, uh, and controlling the tempo of the game. Jack, good luck. We look forward to watching you go about your work, but also as the season really warms towards finals. We appreciate your time. Enjoy tomorrow. Thanks, guys, for having me. I hope everyone has a great day.